Hello, everyone. Welcome to the How Did I Get Here podcast. Uh, This is where we take an in-depth, behind-the-scenes look at ministry and pastor life. We are going to hear uh, from friends and strangers. We will sometimes decode sermons, talk about funny observations and life lessons. And as always, we are going to answer the question, how did I get here? Today, we, uh, we have my friend, really good friend, Matt. Uh, he is going to be a part of our, our podcast, not just today, but he's probably going to have a reoccurring role. So you will hear his voice and his perspective uh, more often than not. Um, Matt, go ahead and introduce yourself and then we'll get into uh, Matt's role as a part of our podcast. Yeah, um, I have uh, known Pastor Cedric, or as I call him, Ced, for a um, better part of a decade over that, about 15 years now. Um, we met um, while we were both in college and uh, became ended up being roommates and uh, had uh, relationships that uh, have grown only uh, more so each year um, that we've um, gotten older. Um, been at each other's uh, children's births and birthdays and all the great stuff there. Uh, but I uh, am lucky enough to to call him a friend. We um, go to the same church here at West Hill, uh, grew up in the church, um, and uh, went away to college, came back, and now um, also serve as a volunteer here in the church at, um, at West Hill. So... You know, for me, I went to a Bible college. We'll get into that uh, more specifically. And I was the only guy in the room or in the house that uh, didn't get a Bible degree. It seems like, and or isn't working in full time service. So I'm the one, uh, you know, red herring in the group. And and so it's been um, interesting seeing all my friends um, grow in ministry and flourish. Yeah. So if you had a chance to listen to our opening episode or our other episodes, you know by now that I am a teaching pastor here at West Hill Baptist Church, and I really wanted to start a podcast for a number of reasons, to be creative, to kind of, like I said, give you an, uh, a behind-the-scenes look at what what it's like to be in full-time ministry and be in the role of pastor. And actually, Matt is one of the people that I actually sat down with first to brainstorm the ideas behind this podcast. And as we as we got going and talking about what it should look like and what it should sound like and what the feel of it should be, uh, we we quickly came to the decision that he had to be directly involved in this way. So when I say that Matt's going to be a reoccurring role, look, one of the unique things about Matt and I's friendship is we we have we have a very interesting connection. We understand each other, um, and as a as an on stage communicator, Matt is one of the few people that can be sitting in a crowd and I can look at and he can understand something that I'm saying non-verbally. So Matt is, he's gonna, he's gonna really help uh, just add, add to the, to, to the conversation that we're gonna have. We're gonna talk about things that we both enjoy. We're gonna talk about experiences that we've had together. Some of the, some of the experiences we've had, we definitely cannot talk about um, on mm-hmm. air just because Absolutely. those things are locked away. But um, it's going to be, it'll be fun having him here. So like Matt mentioned, he is back here at West Hill Baptist Church. Him and I are longtime friends. We met in college and he grew up in the church that I am now an executive pastor and teaching pastor. And so that makes for an interesting part of our relationship. So 
first question, and I guess it's a two-part question to Matt, is one, how did you get here? And then how did you get back here? Yeah. Well, you know, growing up in um, uh, West Hill, we moved here when I was into Worcester when I was 10. Um, uh, my dad actually was hired by the church uh, to run the children's ministry back then. So coming to the church as a uh, PK, a preacher's kid, um, was definitely different. And I actually was introduced to, luckily enough, uh, some other pastors on staff had kids my age. And um, and they'll definitely play prominent roles in this podcast as we go along. Um, but we came to, to West Hill and, and my dad worked on staff and then um, actually went out and... Um, built his own company, uh, you know, outside of the ministry. And uh, well, we stayed as members and um, went through high school and graduated college. And and really, a lot of things played into me coming back. It wasn't part of my initial plan. Um, I went out to Liberty University, um, graduated with a finance degree. Um, and ever since I've graduated high school, I, I, I didn't ever feel as though I was coming back to Wayne County. I always liked living in bigger cities or, or, or just having different experiences. But I uh, graduated in 2008, which if you know anything about the financial industry, uh, services industry was uh, pretty much the worst year to ever try to find a job in that industry since the Great Depression. Um, and so uh, very few places were hiring. Um, and instead of going and waiting tables or getting a job at a YMCA, uh, luckily my father had a company in, in financial services and so I was that boomerang kid that left college and roommates and independence and, you know, doing my own thing and moved into my parents' basement and rode with my dad to work and got paid very little and, and learned the ropes of a new industry that I still am a part of. But, you know, in the moment, I felt embarrassed in a lot of ways, like a failure, moving back to good old Worcester and um, not accomplishing a lot of the dreams that I probably thought that I wanted to accomplish, uh, moving back, being single, you know, didn't bring a girl back with me. So kind of feel like I started over in my parents' basement and, um, you know, came back to West Hill and very quickly, um, luckily met my future wife and uh, we started a journey together there and, and have been a member really ever since and, and just really leaning into the fact that I am a Worcester person, I am a Wayne County person. And if you're listening from outside of our area um, and you don't understand that, it's a, we have a very um, distinct hometown. Um, yeah, for so, sure. So that was one of the things I was going to ask you. You mentioned that um, part of, of my story of how did I get here and just my everyday life, not just in ministry, but ministry in Worcester, Ohio, in Wayne County is very unique. So I'm not from Wayne County. You are from Wayne County. So for those that may be listening from somewhere that has no idea about what it's like to live in this county and in this town, obviously there's going to be people who are listening that understand exactly what we're talking about. But just give us like the quickest snapshot thing, statement that you can say that may help paint an accurate picture for those that are not from here about this is what it's like to live in Wayne County. <laughs> yeah, that I know it's a hard What question. I can explain the easiest thing and why I ever I always felt like I didn't belong or I was going to end up in a different place was uh the Wayne County Fair uh is 
pretty much the biggest thing that happens in our county. Not pretty much, it is the biggest thing that happens in our county every year. I have a uh, very specific disdain for everything that involves a fair, and I have since I was 10. I've hated it. My friends go there. I don't farm. I don't show animals. I don't like stinky things. I don't like being hot in a stinky place by around strangers. And, you know, the Wayne County Fair is the biggest show in this area and they bring country music which i don't aspire to like stars and they bring corny comedians and it's just not <laughs> my scene at all and it never has been and so wayne county my parents and my friends they go to the fair sometimes every night my wife likes to go to the fair every night and if i could sit in the car and listen to the indians game i'd rather do that it's just not my thing and so being in from Wayne County is that community is that fair animals farming you know fried food and uh, a lot of just walking around saying hi to the people you've known for 30 years two times in the same night and it's just not a, a thing that I would I've ever found it to be fun so that's the picture to me when I think of Wayne County I think of the fair I think of tractor poles and and just Stuff that is not my thing. Um, yeah, so Matt is doing a pretty decent job of explaining that. But if you're from Wayne County, you have a huge smile on your face right now because you can en envision and picture all the things that he's talking about. If you're not from Wayne County, he's doing an okay job. I really don't know if we can paint an accurate picture. I mean, I'm thinking we may have to have a special episode that we... Uh, on just the Wayne County Fair, maybe even do it down at the Wayne County Fair. That may make for a very interesting day. It could possibly be the people watching capital of the Northeast. Uh, someone who was a transplant and who is not white. Uh, Wayne County is, is a very, very interesting social experiment. I can't explain it in another way. Um, but yes, everything from the smells to the sights to to the fact that people win ribbons for having a first place sheep or pig, not really sure what that, what what all goes into that. But yeah, that is that is an accurate picture of 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 living in Wayne County. So you mentioned growing up here, going to to this church, uh, your your dad being a, a staff member here, the church being a being a pastor on staff, um, and then you you mentioned about being in the finance industry. So talk us through a little bit of how you got to the finance ministry. Um, when, we, when we talk about answering the question, how do we get here, looking back uh, at the ways that God has brought us to very specific points in our life, like what, just, just, just give us a little bit of insight into how did you get to the, the specific aspect of the finance industry that you're in today? Yeah, well, you know, you know, the easiest way to say it is that, you know, when I was in sixth grade, um, my, my first love is sports, and specifically my first love in sports is basketball. When I was in sixth grade, I was a power forward, and by eighth grade, I was the point guard. And by high school, I was the really short point guard. And so really quickly, I figured out that uh, uh, sports, other than uh, from the administrative side, was not going to be a future for me. Uh, but I really love the competitive nature of things. Uh, I really love numbers. I love the analytical side of things. Um, so the idea for me, a lot of ways, was a decision between finance and and 
going into really coaching in a big way, not like high school coaching, but you're really chasing down, you know, college or even professional um, coaching. And when I really understood the the demands of it and the lifestyle that it took to be a coach at that level, it just not was not for me. The travel, the the kind of the nomadic life through your twenties, trying to find a place to to uh, stay for more than a year, and so. My love for some, for numbers, I, I always was able to hold a conversation with people. I felt like so, uh, financial services seemed like a, a good path. My father had always held held a license um, since I've known I've been alive, and, and so we've always kind of been a family that talked about finances. Summers I interned in the mailroom almost every summer, so. My dad wouldn't let me sleep in. I was always going to work with him and filing away. When back when there was you kids, uh, there was something called a filing cabinet in business all in offices. <laughs> um, I used to sit in that room all day and get paper cuts and staple stuff. And um, you know, over time, just really identified with that market. And even in college, when I was uh, away, uh, I did a lot of research for my father's company. Wrote some articles for some journals. It um, really just began to understand how I could create a career in it and understanding the idea for me as an entrepreneur to, to as a goal to be an entrepreneur um, to have that flexibility in life was really an enticing thing so you know so I didn't you know I, I was never going to be a basketball player you know I, I love football I love other sports um, but that was definitely not in the cards for me so having uh, this type of career still scratches that aggressive itch um, but in a much uh, more palatable way, for sure. All right, so we are going to get back to some of the more professional lifestyle things and, and talk a little bit about our lessons that we've learned about being in each of those stages, especially from the perspective of being Christ followers. But before we get there, I think it's really important that we kind of go down memory lane and really <laughs> explain to people like, like what our friendship is like, how did we get to this point in our mid-30s uh, doing a podcast together um, and just sharing a little bit about just our friendship you know our friendship of, of over 15 years so um, Matt and I we had a conversation as we were talking about this podcast about just some of the memories that we've had of our first encounter or really the our the the memory that we have of our very first encounter uh, meeting each other I don't even know what the year was uh, that probably would have been Oh five, oh six, maybe? yeah, two thousand five, two thousand six, uh, which is a very interesting time. Um, so we 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 talked about that, and I think it's important. So let's share a little bit about what how how did our friendship come about? What what are the things that we remember about our first exposure to each other? So I'll let Matt go, and then we'll we'll, we'll walk through this together. Uh, so yeah, what, what was that like? So I met Cedric through his now wife and so uh i don't know we can say her name jess um i grew up with jess and she grew up in this church at west hill um so we were the same age same youth group um i actually for a period of time in high school dated her friend um so we were uh definitely more than acquaintances and so what was Funny was to me, it was my actually my freshman year in college. I went to a, a local school um, before really deciding that that wasn't the right school, the right situation for me. And I, you know, I ended up at Liberty my sophomore year. 
after you know a lot of our friends that I grew up in the church were already down there and so I went down there and it what was always funny was you know I remember my freshman year in college just you know we live in a, a pretty rural area pretty conservative area and so we see everybody come home from Christmas break and by rural and conservative he means really white and Republican yeah, very <laughs> very white very uh, yeah which which I am not I'm not white at all, so we'll we'll get back to that. But anyway, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> so we we come home. Everybody's home for Christmas break. You know, how's college? Da da da. We're going out to, you know, Wayne County. Go to Applebee's because there's nothing else open. So, you know, I come home one night and my mom's like, you know, how's everybody doing? And I said, good. She said, was just there, and I said, I don't, I didn't see her. No. She's like, well, you know. There may be something going on, you know. I was talking to her parents and or somebody in the church. I don't know who it was, and you know, I think Jess is actually dating a black guy. <laughs> so I don't know if she's doing it real well in college. And you know, you hate to say that 15 years ago that was like a thing. And I, I remember myself going, "Oh, geez, yeah, okay. Well, that's that's weird because, you know, where Jess is from is is. I mean, her parents are farmers. The school she went to was very rural. Um, it was like a oh, that's not in her character. That's a different. <laughs> And so I knew of Cedric, the mythological Cedric, as the black guy that my friend was dating, but I never met him. And so, uh, which was really funny because, uh, you know, just to tell on myself a little bit, even when I was like, oh, wow, that's okay. Oh, well, maybe Jess is, you know, being a little different here, you know, choosing a different path. And so, even for me, who, you know, I have always, you know, my love of basketball, my love of sports, my love of, honestly, of hip hop and that whole culture was not you know a shock to me in life but then when my friend i hear it was it was very uh it was very unique and funny viewing 15 years later so i knew cedric even before i went to liberty as oh that's jess's boyfriend so before i decided to go to liberty i ended up visiting um going down to campus visit for a weekend i you know drove down there parents stayed in a hotel got to look at everything and one of the nights we went and had you know, you know, Liberty is a pretty conservative school, so you go out in a big group to dinner, and we ended up doing what uh, most Liberty kids did was sit in a apartment and watch like episodes of Friends, because that was like the most <laughs> PG thirteen thing we can do without getting in trouble. <laughs> and uh, just that was when I first got to be around said, um, and I, I guess I can tell the story that makes me laugh to this day. Uh, with with said we were. We were just all hanging out in a big group. There's probably eight or ten of us, and some of them were couples, and some were just friends. And so we're just telling stories. And one of the people that were there, um, I won't say her name, she was telling a story, and it ended up kind of having like a little bit of a a racial undertone. And she was trying to make a joke of it, and she got to the end of the story, and I didn't even forget the punchline. Uh, but she said it, and she looked at Cedric, and Cedric's face was so stoned and without expression that she immediately apologized and almost started crying. And I felt like that was the funniest thing I've ever heard. And so immediately I was like, God, that guy's my my sense of humor because he just made her feel so terrible for telling the story and I knew he wasn't offended. And so so even that nonverbal cue I knew, uh, you know, said it was going to be my buddy. At least we understood each other at that level. So, you know, that was my first time. We went to dinner. We kind of hung out. We had, we made jokes, and and it was a it was a really fun time. Yeah. So my that I I remember that story very very specifically, and it was really funny. And and it, it is one of those things like 
in that moment, it was one of those things we, we knew right away, okay, yep, this is going to be, we're going to be really good friends. Uh, and to piggyback off of that, so similar thing, I'm not sure what the timeline was, but it would have been pretty close. I remember meeting Matt, and I had already met some of the other people from West Hill, which, just to give you some context, I think at the time, there might have been 20 plus students that were on Liberty University's campus that were a part of West Hill's ministry uh, at the time, West Hill's uh, senior high pastor was a graduate of Liberty University, so there was a connection there. So a lot of students at the time had a connection to the university. So I, would meet, I was meeting these people from from Northeast Ohio, from Worcester, from West Hill. Uh, it's what's felt like every single week I was meeting someone new. But Matt came in, he was checking the university out, we were hanging out off campus. And I remember we met each other, and it was really interesting. He was one of the first people that I met from Wayne County that when we met for the first time, he didn't shake my hand. He dapped me up. So if you don't know what a dap is, um, you know, it's where you, you know, you ball your fist and you just kind of, you know, you, it's almost like a much cooler version of a fist bump, but we'll get into that later. But he, so he dapped me up and I thought, okay, that, that, that's interesting. Immediately I knew, I knew something was different about him. And we, well, the first part of our conversation was centered around football and sports and it didn't take long before hip-hop came up into the conversation which is something that him and i enjoy talking about together so in that moment i knew okay you know what there's a connection here and then again i'm not the, the timeline's a little fuzzy but i remember somewhere not too long after that he said to me he was like hey uh you know i heard about you i knew about you before today and i'm just like really you know just look at my face like okay that's that's an interesting thing to say to someone you met for the first time and and then as we talked he went on to tell me this story that he just told you the the first part of it of i guess this the word on the streets at the church was hey one of our girls one of our good christian girls is kind of going off the rails and rebelling and dating this black guy and that black guy was me so it's just so funny that that was that was the first first conversation one of the first conversations i had with matt and in that conversation, I realized, wait a second, I'm being painted as somebody that I'm not, which thankfully uh, it didn't take long for people to realize that, that you know, the fact that I was black had nothing to do with my character at the time or even today. Uh, and you know, I've been married to Jessica for 10, 10 plus years now. So, um, so obviously that worked itself out, but that's, that's part of the beginning stages of our friendship and then you know as as our friendship moved along matt eventually became a student at Uni uh, liberty university we ended up rooming together for three three almost four years uh we lived off campus in in the downtown area in this, in this really old kind of very virginia style house uh, with a very interesting landlord which that'll come up later as well um but so that's those are the beginning parts of of our friendship and if we fast forward uh, you know, if I, if I think of some highlights from 16 years ago to today, Matt mentioned it, you know, we, we were in each other's weddings. Uh, we, you know, we were a part of each other's, the birth of, of our children. We were, uh, we, we, we've been on road trips together. We've taken vacations together. We have gone away on just him and I trips together. We've had conversations that we ended up one of us ended up crying because of the conversation we've we you know we've been the first people that each other have called through a difficult situation or questions about things that he knew that i would know the answer to and vice versa so our friendship 
it would take us, I mean, we could really do an entire season worth of episodes just strictly on our friendship. But part of the reason why Matt is involved in this podcast and why I want him to be involved is because of that unique friendship and because of that unique perspective, he he has a unique perspective of ministry and pastor life, given that he is not in full-time ministry and is not uh, a full-time pastor. And, and, and we really want to hear his voice. I want you to hear his voice as we connect and talk over and talk through some aspects of, of Christianity, of ministry, of, of being someone who's in the pew, if you will, uh, and, and me being someone who's in the pulpit. And so those are the things that we, we want to talk about. But that's a little bit of a foundation of our, of our friendship and how we, got, how we got to this point today. So uh, moving on to some, some things that you mentioned, because I think it's going to be really important for us to, to kind of uh, have a landing area, to kind of you know, have, a, have an area that we focus on. Because uh, we always want to be an encouragement to you as we as we talk through through some of these things. So you're in you're currently in the finance industry. I know very little about the finance industry. <laughs> um, so for those who don't know anything about the finance industry, just give us like a quick. This is what I do every day for for a living. Well, you know, there are a lot of through lines. I I truly believe in what I do for a living, um, and what. Um, Pastor Cedric and pastoral people uh, um, do. Uh, in the end, my goal is retirement and theirs is um, eternal salvation. So I won't put them all totally on the same plane, but a lot of the conversations we have about uh, uh, budgeting and being realistic about your means and staying on course and consistency and all of those things that go into financial health and wealth and security, are, you know, are. are you can switch a little bit of the topic over to reading your Bible and um, prayer life and discipleship and those same tenets of consistency and of, you know, being diligent to it every day uh, have the same, have a lot of the same through line. So in the finance industry, we, we talk a lot of that with our borrowers. What are the goals? What do they want to accomplish? How do we get them there? Um, what do they have to give up maybe in the short term that's going to get them to their goal long term? What do we need to add to their current life that maybe they're not doing that will get them to their goals? And so it is one of those jobs that is a, a entrepreneurial and, and it's helpful. I get to to um, come here midday and do a podcast with my best buddy. Uh, but there's also times at 9, 10 o'clock at night or on the weekends and pastors can all uh, attest to that where you were supposed to go to your kid's baseball game, but you got to make a call. Or you got to make, you know, a run here to help somebody. Uh, that's a lot of the things in our job. And so, in my job, excuse me. And so, you know, being in the finance industry is in, enriching in a lot of ways, but also just draining uh, because there are people that come back to me multiple times after we get them out of one situation and they walk right into another situation. And, and so, there are a lot of great days of wins, but there's a lot of some days of, of frustrations and losses and, and so dealing with that um, it can sometimes be pretty rough. And I think that's why in a lot of ways me and uh, Seth are kindred spirits because we have to have escapes. We do enjoy to read. And sometimes we don't read books that are about ministry or I don't read a self-help book about business. I've read a lot of them and some of them are great. But sometimes, you know, me and Seth read a book about a neurosurgeon 
and having you know terminal illness and, and just being able to escape to a different place, being escaped through a book or, or just some teaching that we can something from a different industry that we can put into our practice is great. So we're always reading and saying, "Hey, have you read this book?" or you know, recommend that thing. And and, and so because of our occupations, I think a lot of times that's why we have a lot of similar you know just desires when we're offline because it's just it is a front-facing people business that can be lucrative and fun and exciting and all those things but it also can be just affecting to your daily life and your marriage and your parenting skills and your just ability to be a, a good husband because there's good days and bad days for sure all right so you said it basically at, at its core we work with people right so people yeah. always ask what is it like being a pastor and they think especially younger people they look at pastors and they see some of the things you mentioned you know they see us you know w walking into the office at 10 a.m and they think wow that seems cool or you know they see they see people waiting to talk to you after a sermon and they thought oh wow that's really cool i want to be a pastor that seems like it's fun and you know it is fun but it's not always fun um, because, like you said, we work with people. Like, our job is people are at the center of our jobs. And you, you kind of alluded to it a little bit, but what, what are some of the unique things that you've seen that are similar in ministry and similar to what you do, given that people are at the center of what, that, at the center of what we do? Man, that's a big question. I don't have a counseling degree. Um, but there are times where I am in the middle of a marriage um, because finances are such an important conversation. And, you know, w while I'm trying to seek truth and create a business plan or a, an idea for a pathway to either resolution or towards retirement, you know, a lot of times when I'm talking to these families, they're not being honest with each other. And we have to kind of get real to you know, the husband and wife are just, you know, maybe just as a single parent, you know, they're giving them the reality check of where they really are and what they are really doing to themselves. Uh, similar, I think, in a lot of ways with, you know, either one-on-one -on -one counseling or just spiritual uh, life that, that shepherding. Um, I think we are always our biggest, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We're, we always keep ourselves in kind of a fantasy land in regards to our personal finances our personal spiritual walk we all kind of have a lot of people have that attitude of like i got it i'm fine i know i'll start i'll start tomorrow whatever it is whether it's your diet whether it's whatever and we both have that distinct job to say you know what you need to start today and really you don't just need to to do this, save extra money. You might need to sell this. You might need to do this. You might need to downsize this. Mm -hmm. You might need to yep. skip that vacation. Same way you can say, you know what? Maybe you don't need to, you know, your kid doesn't need to be in that travel baseball league. Maybe you need to spend some more time as a family. Maybe you're you're missing each other because your your schedule is busy, and that's why your marriage is struggling, or or your spiritual life is stagnant. Having those hard conversations, having those direct conversations where you're giving advice. You're speaking advice into someone else's life, which is sometimes a dicey subject because yeah. if you say it wrong, they're going to come back at you or not even if you hit a really, really, really sore spot, they may come at you with anger. But having the boldness to still say that is is 
a requirement. And I don't take it lightly, and it happens more than I wish that I'd had to. But that is something I think that we we both have, that even though we're saying something that is maybe in the short term going to hurt their marriage or hurt their their mental state, but in the long term we know that this is the this is the band-aid we're ripping off, or this is the you know the wound that we're revealing, so we can clean it out. Man, it's it's tough, and I, you know I, I come home and talk to Maria about it a lot of times, and how hard it was to hear that, or you know go through that with the family. But you know the successes are what help you keep going. You know the the, the you know when people actually do listen and 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 they become right side in their finances or in their spiritual life. Yeah. So as a pastor, we know that. For a lot of people, church life is a big deal, and it should be. Like it's, it's really important. Um, but there's this huge misconception. You know, people look at pastors, look at ministry, and they think that most of our focus is on church, on the actual building and the structure, and our services and our programs and our children's ministries and our adult ministries and all these things. And yes, please hear me; those things are very important. But for pastors, for myself as a teaching pastor. One of the things that's, that's most important, the thing that we most get energized by, that's most life-giving, is when somebody finally says, you know what, I'm going to take this portion of Scripture, I'm going to take what God is saying, I'm going to take what Scripture is saying, and apply it to my life, and they apply it, and they start to live it, and you can see the results, you can see it. That is so life-giving. That energizes me. It makes me want to continue to preach and continue to teach and to meet with people and to counsel people. That's the part of it. Yes, you know, watching church attendance and seeing that we had, you know, 900 or, you know, 1,000 or 1,100 people in a service, that's that's also exciting. But that's not the most exciting thing. So when you think about what is the most life-giving, most energizing thing in your industry in reference to people, like you said, yeah, it can be lucrative. Yes, it can be exciting. You've got to travel uh, really around the world in some, in some senses because of what you do. And those things are perks. Those things are awesome. Those things are fun. But what are the things in reference to people that you say, okay, you know what, this is what I get to do, and this is this is energizing, this is life giving because I'm 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 helping people. Yeah, and even before I answer that, the flip side of what you just said, that's why we take it so hard when people don't listen, because the excitement that we receive when we do help a family out of a situation, we do create a, a positive from a negative put people on the right path and we get to be lucky enough to be part of that that energy that that boost is so great but on the other end when a family could have avoided tragedy when a family could have avoided this stuff and we were there screaming telling sending charts and emails and advice and they still chose a path that was to their destruction whether it was an end of a marriage or just, uh, you know, a bankruptcy or something, it hits you just as hard the other way when you're like, what did I miss? What did I do wrong? How did I not connect? I saw this coming. And so that's the thing that gets us out of bed is, yes, the feeling, the desire to have the feeling of helping families, but also the desire to not feel that other very, very, specific feeling of when a family really makes a bad mistake and you're there to witness it and you're not able to help them steer away from that storm um you know and that even probably more so in ministry than for me but i can i can speak to a few times when you're just left just so frustrated and so fighting against that is is uh 
it, it is tough. And so, what, and sorry, I lost my train of thought, but I wanted to make that point. What was what was the question you had about the most life giving, the most the thing that energizes you the most in reference to what you do, um, especially in reference to people specifically? What's the thing that you get to do day in and day out that gives you the most energy? That is the most life giving aspect of what it is you do. Yeah. Um, it's it's part of my personality thing and it's something I get in trouble with at home sometimes, but you know, I get to help solve problems. I love that. I love I'm just a problem solver kind of guy. If I hear somebody is struggling with something, my my immediate you know, response is like what could I do? And not to be sound like some altruistic person, but that is how my mind works. And so I do have a desire to help families, help people if they're you know, in debt or they're, they're, they're needing some type of new planning. And so the what I call the discovery process to me is always the most life-giving because that's when I can identify the areas that I can be helpful to a specific person or family. And so that's really, really important to me. And why I joke is, you know, is, is, and, and Senator can even say this as a counselor in a lot of ways, <clears throat> my wife gets on me because sometimes she just wants to air out a, a thought that is, frustrating and my immediate response is oh what you got to do is that no 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 we're wondering we're going to have to you, you know you need to go pray about it after we pray about it we're going to write a pro and con list and after we get the pro and con list we're going to circle the three things to do and we're going to do it and you're not going to be sad anymore my wife's like i don't want to do any of that i just wanted to tell you i had a bad day and you know our oldest is making me mad and so my mindset's always kind of skipping the emotional side of things and being like, what's the practical application? How do we get through this? How do we achieve, you know, from like a coaching standpoint or an athletic, how do we win? How do we score more points? And so I have to temper that at home because that's not always the, the muscle that I need to be flexing. But a lot of times at work, that's the, the most important muscle is that I don't just look at the, the situation and be like, can I make money? Or is this worth my time? We look at the family and say, can we help them? How do we help them? How, how do we put that together? Whether it's a quick fix, whether it's a year, two year long road for them to get back to the right place, that problem solving, that idea of, of being able to put a plan in action is absolutely what gets me into the office every day. Yeah, so as, as both as men, as Christ followers, um, one of the things that we forget to do all the time is we when every time we're in a situation, especially if the situation is uncomfortable, something we don't like, we, we, we start to panic and we start to ask ourselves, like, how did I get here? How do I get out of this? Why is this happening? What are you doing, God? Like, when is the next step? So you mentioned a couple of things that I want us to kind of walk through together as we answer the question and really be an encouragement to people about how do they, how do I get here? So you mentioned two things earlier when you talked about how did you get back here? So you were, you were lived in Wayne County, you left, and then you, you got back here, and you said, you know, when I got back here, I was living in my parents' basement, I felt like a failure, I was riding to work with my dad, uh, I was stuck in an office filing papers in a filing cabinet. So you may not have asked it in these exact words, but at some point you would have had to ask yourself, how in the world did I get here? Like, where did my dream of living in a metropolitan area with, you know, going to, going to what my my thought of a finance job is like how did i get here and there's two two portions of scripture that i want us to center this around so for those of us that are christians you know this portion of scripture it's very it's, it's quoted a lot if you're not a christian you're listening to our podcast and thank you for listening uh, but there's a there's a portion of scripture in jeremiah 
Chapter 29, verse 11, very popular. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now, a little bit of context. Jeremiah had just been given some horrific um, news or, or a message of, of destruction. Um, and he, he was supposed to deliver God's people. And, and God sent this message to him to encourage him like, hey, don't don't worry about it. Don't stress out about it. I know exactly what I have planned for you. I know how I'm going to ha help you prosper. I know how I'm going to keep you away from harm. Just remember that I am God. I have a specific plan for you. And then if we take a, a look at another portion of scripture, which is First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. One of the hardest things to do is to give thanks in all situations. It's easy for us, you could agree, to give thanks when we're in situations that we like, when it's enjoyable, when we're getting what we want. But when you're living in your parents' basement or when you are stopped at the border trying to get back into the country and the U.S. Border Patrol says, nope, you're not allowed to go back into the country and your fiance is waiting on you when... when when those things ha happen, it's hard to give thanks in situations. So how did you find yourself? Or maybe you didn't. If you weren't giving thanks, what did that look like? If you were, what did that look like? If you weren't, why do you think it was when you felt like a failure? When you're, when you're living in your parents' basement, when you're riding to work with your dad, when, when you are coming kicking and screaming into ministry myself, like how did you give thanks in those situations if you did or if you didn't? And then we'll talk about how how today sitting here like how have you seen god's plan for you work itself out even when it wasn't what you thought was happening wow i mean <laughs> well you're going to find out hopefully as you listen to this podcast over the over time is you're gonna i'm gonna be honest i'm gonna be a, a real specifically honest person even at my um the detriment of myself um so to answer your question, you know, when I was at Liberty at the end here after graduating, I had actually got this unbelievably awesome job uh, working for the university. I was running intramural basketball. Um, I worked four days a week. Um, I was around the game of basketball. I was I had about 30 employees that were officiating games and keeping score. I was making plenty of money to live that life, to have roommates and Man, we were going out to eat every weekend and doing what we wanted. We weren't rich, but there was money in my account and gas in my tank. And, and uh, <clears throat> that was, there was a, a, a push from God at that moment, I find in hindsight, to get me out of that situation because I could have woke up and been 30 years old at that job and, and just been doing that on autopilot because it was safe and easy. And when I moved back home, um, I had immediate regrets. Like all my friends were still mostly there. I think uh, our friend Cody had moved out, but everybody else was there. Um, so I moved back to my hometown and all the friends I had in high school. You know, I had changed spiritually. I had grown spiritually at least to a place where, you know, having a bonfire and all that kind of stuff that I used to do wasn't as an, an exciting thing. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, when I moved back home, I wasn't in church. Uh, you know, my parents would yell down the steps, you know, hey, you coming? You going to come? And I'm like, no. For about two, three months, I didn't go to church. I just was embarrassed. I just I didn't want to go back to the church that I grew up in. And everybody said, what are you doing now? And 
He said, I'm living with my dad, and I'm answering phones at his company, and I don't really have a plan. Um, and so in hindsight, I'd love to say that I just was trusting in God and, and you know, had this resolute attitude that I was doing the right thing. I think I was just doing nothing. I think it was, I, I couldn't, I'm not an unemployed kind of person. I had to have some type of job to do. But I was embarrassed at what I was doing, and, and I really didn't um, find church or get back into church. It wasn't a long time. It was a couple months. And the, the overarching theme of my story is always going to be my wife. Uh, I went to church one Sunday, and she was singing in the worship band, and it was one of those, like, if I could figure out how to, to take that girl on a date, I'm going to do it. And uh, thus... My about six months of um, understanding that if I wanted to have a, a woman like that notice a guy like me, I got to make some changes. And uh, fast forward to us dating and getting married and and having children and all these things. But unbeknownst to her, she was one who dug me out because I was not wanting to go to church. And then I finally saw a pretty girl that I didn't know who she was, and she had just graduated college. And I was like, "Well, I'll keep coming back to church if she's here." <laughs> um, and so. It wasn't some divine moment for me. It was a very selfish moment. But um, through that knowing, like, hey, you know what? I do have to step up my game if this is going to be something I want to, somebody I want to be around. And, and and so, honestly, when when I think about that time, that was probably my most, I don't want to say dark. I don't want to be metal, metal drag. But just lost, listless, maybe be the best word. Because... I went from this life of in college for four years with my friends where we kind of had the city case. We knew where we were going. We were, you know, kind of a known entity at the school and had a lot of fun and um, had this whole life of independence. And I came back home to my mom, asked me what I wanted for dinner and, you know, telling me to get out of the shower before I use all the hot water and, you know, riding to work with my dad and answering phones with him for him and making copies. And, you know, over time, he, he I gained his trust and I got some more responsibility with the company and um, kind of fell in love with what he does. And and now we're business partners, uh, you know, 10 years later, 12 years later. Now he's at a stage where he's given me a lot of the authority, if not all of it, and he's um, kind of driving from you know the back now he doesn't have to to be involved in every decision and and it feels really good to be able to uh, allow my dad to to have that lifestyle to 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 take some time because he built this company you know truly out of thin air and so i know it's a really long-winded answer um for you but honestly you know in hindsight it was on accident you know for me it was on accident it was god showing me and pushing me in these directions and me kind of at the last moment possible stepping up. <laughs> yeah. So I have no doubt in my mind that someone who is listening can connect with what what you're saying. Uh, the, the, those feelings of, of disappointment or embarrassment or pride or fear, lack of trust, despair, um, and and I think what I really want for us to to be reminded of is you know Hebrews thirteen 
20 and 21 says, Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, doing what it is that he has planned for you, that he may work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. That's Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. I really want to encourage you, if, you, if you've if you noticed, okay, you know what, you, you've asked yourself, how do I get here? Maybe Maybe you are li- maybe you are literally living in your parents' basement, or maybe it is some some figure figurative version of living in your parents' basement, or maybe you feel embarrassed, or you feel like you've been a failure, or you look back five six years and you think I'm not doing what I thought I wanted to do or what I thought I would be doing. How did I get here? Or you know maybe you maybe you maybe you're sick, or maybe you're you're helping or dealing with a sick family member or a parent, or maybe you're watching a family member die. We know, you know, being a full-time pastor in a ministry, those are the conversations that I have with people all the time. And I want to encourage you through what Matt said and through what the scripture is saying and what we're saying right now is I want to encourage you to give thanks in all situations. That may be hard. I know that's hard to do, but God has given us what we need to, to be thankful to him and know that he, he does have a plan for you. And that plan does not always look the way we thought it would look. look we, we're both sitting here today, and if we interviewed ourselves 10 years ago, none of us would have said that we would be doing exactly what it is that we're doing today. But I, I, I think it's safe to say, and you can hear it in just from the conversation today, that we wouldn't have it any other way. So I really want to encourage you, you know, if you, if you feel, if you have feelings of pride and despair, lack of trust, fear, embarrassment, loss of your dream, like Matt said, listless, uh, if you feel like a failure, if you have any of these things going on in your life, please look to scripture, look to God, ask him to, to give you what you need to, to make it through. Know that he loves you and us enough to get us to where he wants us to be and that there's going to be an important lesson along that journey. Give thanks in those situations and just like Jeremiah, be encouraged that God has a plan specifically for you. And honestly, that's what we want to do in this podcast. We want to we want to have conversations that are fun and that are lighthearted and that gets us to laugh and to smile. But we also want to leave you with encouragement. We want to we want you to ask yourself every day, how did I get here? What am I going to do now that I am here? What is God trying to teach me because I'm here? What have I learned in the, in, the, in the stage that I just came out of? What can I learn today that's going to prepare me for the next step? Uh, so those are some things that we want to keep at the forefront of your minds. As we get ready to end this episode today, I want us to do something a little bit of just, just have some fun, maybe go through some rapid question and answer with Matt uh, just from his unique perspective and uh, just to end our time today with with a smile on our faces so what is the most interesting thing trait characteristic that you've noticed about pastors if you put them all all the pastors that you know you put them collectively what's the thing that you would say to someone that you know what this this is the unique thing about pastors um it's funny you know even my my father has been in my shoes or I guess I'm in his shoes a lot of ways because he had, you know, he used to rap it, but um, he was friends of pastors and now they're getting retired and stuff. And so I was always around like him being the confidant, the guy that they'd come drive to his house and nine o'clock on a Tuesday and be like, hey, 
let's talk in a driveway. Uh, and so having that similar relationship with a few different um, pastors and friends and stuff, uh, as of honestly, the, the easiest answer is a lack of the ability to understand math, <laughs> I think is an epidemic among any pastor I've ever met. Um, so just explaining to every one of my friends who's a pastor what a 401k is or, or how retirement works or what is social security, like that conversation is always fun because... Uh, you know, when I call Cedric at 10 o'clock at night and be like, is a disciple an apostle? And he probably looks at me like, yeah. Like I'm asking him like what a checking and savings account is. <laughs> and so we, uh, on the, my blind spots, he helps me, but on that stuff. Um, but I would say the, the, the number one thing from, from, I see from pastors that, that I, I wish that they, that the rest of people could see is really truly the, um, the emotional side of things, um, and not just like him coming, instead of coming over to my house and crying, um, which it hasn't happened, but just the there are times when we'll hang out, he'll come over, we'll go out to dinner and watch a basketball game, and I can literally see like his face and his posture, and, and other friends, their face and their posture just be like they have 25 pounds of cement. On their shoulders and they have you know cement boots and they just can't move and, and when we have a conversation about it it isn't something like oh man giving us down or I don't know if I'm gonna get that cost of living you know bump and you know the, the this and that or hey man my budget got turned down for the the missions trip what it is always is something very specific that way you know what I've been counseling this family and this guy and we have been doing so good. And his wife called me this morning and said, and he won't give me a name, of course, but his wife called me this morning and said, man, I found a bottle in the back of his car. Man, I found this. Or, or vice versa, you know, working with a college kid who's on the right path and is growing and all these things. And, and then he sees from a front row seat, Satan just put this stone in their path and make them stumble. And I think if I can play counselor for a second, you know, and a fleshly thing, it's you think all that work you put in, all that time, all that effort, all that extra studying, all that extra you know, specific things for that person, and they still stumble. But also just they're, because of what the ramifications are, and you know it, what's coming down the, the pike for them as a family or as a person. I see that with every pastor that I've ever met, become friends with, is when you get to know them good enough and you, you have dinner with them or they just call you and say, hey, man, I need to go to the driving range. And you, you know, like, what? Man, you, I've never seen you hit a slice. <laughs> and he's like, well, I'm swinging as hard as I can right now because this and that happened. And, and you know, uh, you're just working out your frustrations. I just see that. And it's, to me, it's always something a lot smaller than what you'd expect in ministry. It isn't, you know, the building fund isn't being, uh, you know, built as quick as I wanted. It's always some family or some person is uh, is in need and, and, and you're frustrated with it. Yeah, so um, very accurate, especially the thing about math. It's, it's so funny. We, we, we as a group, collectively as pastors, we, we're really bad at math. That is, that's very true. Unless it, and when it comes time to a building project, somehow yeah. the math skills work itself or, out because uh, we're... We're excited about it. But yes, we, we, are, we are really bad at math. Yeah, I would say the other thing is too, for, for pastors that are terrible at any kind of math, 
they can look in a room of people and be like, oh, there's 480 people there <laughs> without counting. They can just, they're really good at a, like an aggregate head count from far away. But if you ask them how their FICO, uh, like a, what that means on their paycheck, they're like, I don't know. Government, state—I don't know who is it. Do I get that back? I don't know. Well, you know, so it's always a funny thing to see, like you know, the your savant when it comes to judging how many people are in a room, but you, you can't you can't read through your paycheck. <laughs> All right. So uh, another unique thing that connects the two of us, but I think it's going to help uh, listeners as well. So you mentioned you are a PK. I am also uh, a PK. So what is one of the most um, interesting interesting things that you can remember? Um, about you know being a being a young boy and being a pastor's kid. Yeah, and so before we we get to, want to make sure I make one thing clear. My dad was a director of children's ministry. He wasn't a pastor. He never felt like he uh, was ordained to speak. But we were on staff, so that's why I say I'm a PK. So before the police get after me and say your dad wasn't a pastor, <laughs> he was a director of kids ministry. He's you know all that stuff. Um, I think that the the number one thing was just this, like, when the church was open, I was there. And back when it was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, missions week, revival week, <laughs> potluck Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, back when they let you play it at your church, uh, VBS, you know. And sometimes I was at VBS participating, and sometimes I was at VBS you know, and I had to be part of the, the, the thing. And I was watching kids. And, and so just seeing the, kind of how the sausage is made on a church, at church on a day-to-day basis was uh, something I remember very specifically. But also just, um, I am not, I am a people person as far as my industry, but I am not so much a people person in like strangers. Um, and that was always a tough adjustment because people would be like, oh, you're, you're Dave's kid or you're Kathy's son. And I'd be like, yeah. And I just, you know, the, the grandma hugs that I felt like I just, you know, I remember I had uh, actually one person at church. She gave me a hug and she, uh, and I did gave her a pretty weak attempt back. And she actually told me, it's not, it feels like you're trying to escape. <laughs> and the thing was, I was. Um, and so... That was always something that, to me, I wasn't really great at. Uh, I had friends that were PKs that, you know, knew how to to just play it up, and they were the ones that got the cool Christmas gifts, and I didn't because everybody knew them and loved them. And um, but yeah, just that everyday stuff is that nobody gets to see. I'm not saying it's not brain surgery, but a lot of times it's it's a lot of setting up and tearing down stuff, a lot of moving things from one end to the other, and. Um, that's from being a PK, being up early, being there sunrise early. You can pick up these chairs and move them, put them back. You, you're the last to eat, you know. All that kind of stuff that you, when you're a kid, you just want to be a jerk. You know, having to live through that, was it was it was interesting. Yeah, all the PKs or even, you know, kids who've had ministry parents uh, know exactly what, what Matt and I are talking about. So as we get ready to end our time, uh, two more questions. Uh, first one, what was the last movie that you saw that just had like the biggest impact on you? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It could have been a Marvel movie. It doesn't matter. Just, just something fun. Like what, like what was the last thing that you watched that you said, wow, this, this really made me think, uh, man, a lot. 
uh, one of the things that me and Cedric are, we're content consumers. I think that would be, a, if I could, That's accurate. if I could put that on my business card, uh, <laughs> that would be what I would say a financial advisor or uh, anything. It would be content consumer. Um, I love movies. I love music. I love to read. And even so much as I try to talk to my wife about it and she'll be like, is this one of those things you're going to talk about for a while? Like, <laughs> my wife is a Marvel movie, is a Disney movie, is a, you know, she's a stay-at-home mom, so she's in that world. And, you know, sometimes I'll come at her with like, oh, I just saw, you know, one of the things I saw that I thought was great was that uh, 1917 movie. Was it 1917? 1917 movie. And I liked it of the... For me, it was trying to understand how they even made it. What made it was interesting to me it was just some of the shots and some of the cinematography stuff, and you know, then getting on YouTube and figuring out and reading articles on how like fastening cameras to motorcycles and all the stuff that they did. That was really good. As far as personally affecting, there's a movie on Netflix. It was called uh, It's called Marriage Story, that has honestly been very affecting to me um in a lot of ways because basically the crux of the movie i won't ruin it is it's just a couple that's going through a divorce yeah and uh there's no big surprise so i didn't ruin anything but that movie uh dialogue wise is the most realistic i feel like um that i've seen in a movie in a long time where the conversations are stuff like i've had conversations with my wife about that we fought about that yeah Maybe they went to a little more extreme, but, you know, the idea of how a marriage can fall apart for huge reasons and then small, small reasons, reasons yeah. and mean, how they're affecting the same way. Yeah, it's funny. Matt and I, we talk, I mean, we sat and talked maybe at least an hour about it. I mean, we were both so excited like, to talk about it and just kind of flesh it out. Um, and like he said, I 100% agree if I could put in my my business card or you know list a hobby it would be content consumer as well um but yeah he's he's 100 percent right the movie had had a huge impact on me as well we've talked about it just watching the dialogue watching the the story arc i mean even the cinematography watching the acting it was it was really good it was a it was an impactful movie um all right so the last thing is as we get ready to wrap this up what's the thing that you would say to the person that's listening. They would have heard a little bit of your story, a little bit of mine. They would have heard how'd you get here, how'd you got, how'd you get back here, some of the things. There's someone right now listening that you would say they're sitting or they're looking themselves in the mirror and they're asking, "How in the world did I get here? What's my next step? What am I supposed to do?" We read through that portion of Jeremiah um, and Hebrews and First Thessalonians, and so we have that section of it. But just as a quick word of encouragement, what are you, what are you going to say? What would you say to the person? that may be having these questions and intentions and, and about where they are currently. Um, in, re- in regards to continuing on with the podcast in the future or just in general in their life? Both. Let's go okay. for both. So, like, specifically, in this, the, uh, I, I say a lot of times to my wife, like, the things that I'm saying, I'm saying to myself as much as I'm saying to you. And, and so what I'll say right now is I'm, I have to continue to remind myself this and and even do a better job than I currently do. But, you know, that passage in Jeremiah, like having the um, the just almost like a, an, an attitude of like God's sovereignty and understanding that, um, meaning knowing that there is a plan for you in, 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 the, in the macro, in the big. And even though in the micro currently you're 
lost or just not understanding or you got laid off or broken up with or sick or whatever and it's so tough sometimes to get out of the mac the the micro um that you're living in but understanding that god is a god of the of both the micro and the macro but really the macro and knowing that your path has been charted and sometimes when you've worried yourself into a corner and you haven't slept for two nights understanding that you know what i'm not a big fan of sayings like the go god's got this or you know whatever but understanding that there is a plan in place and having that a little bit of rest in that trying to always remember that um, i can definitely um hopefully impart that to somebody um, there's been definitely times in my life I haven't had great things. I mean, we will talk about things with Cedric. I mean, the loss of a parent when we're in college and and all of the things that he went through that I think were shaping but also were really huge events. I haven't had a lot of those huge events personally other than just trying to find a path forward. So it wasn't that I was being blown up by these landmines. I just was wandering about, not knowing what I was what I was supposed to do. Um you know, really just doing the little things like being in church, reading your Bible, studying, um, or just asking questions, like finding a mentor in the faith that's further down the way from you, a big brother, big sister type situation where you can just be like, man, you know what makes you, it's weird, you can ask the stupid question, like, I have a, we have a mutual friend who's a roommate in college, he's a pastor in, in Georgia, and I was dumb enough to ask him one day, like, is heaven going to be fun? <laughs> And I was like, because I, I, maybe I'm a doer and task and the heavens this and that. And to me, it's like it's heaven going to get old. And he just looked at me like I was the dumbest person and explained to me, of course, the real value of heaven. Um, but, you know, having that relationship where I can ask, you know, people questions and, and, and you know, ask them advice is really, really valuable. And so if you are listless, like, if you are feel like you're floating in an ocean of of doubt or under misunderstanding, like you have to tie onto a boat. You got to find something that gives you some type of direction. And, and I just seeking that out with this podcast in general. I know this has kind of been a heavy conversation, or at least we've been kind of doing the start out with more like setting up the framework of everything. We're gonna have a lot more fun. We're gonna, you know, my job is gonna be to be you know that off speed pitch. So whether it's we're talking to Pastor Cedric and Pastor Zach or another pastor here, you know, my job to you as a listener is going to be, I've always wanted to ask my pastor this. You know, I've always wanted to ask them this. And, you know, and this isn't going to be gotcha journalism, but we're going to talk a lot about why do you think that? Why do you, why do you read that scripture and interpret it that way? How did you get to this point in the sermon series? What makes you mad? Have you ever spend a long time on a sermon and five minutes into it bail on it because it was terrible or didn't make sense like how do you operate as an actual human being that's also a pastor i really am interested in that topic and all the stories and failed sermons we're going to talk about things that were embarrassing (laughs) the biggest idea you had that stunk the the mission thing that nobody showed up to you know we're going to talk a lot about that stuff so i i i subscribe to a lot of podcasts um, a lot of Christian podcasts and nothing against them. They're either just speaking, preaching, or a lot of times they're advice-driven, so they're impersonal. 
this is going to be personal. I'm going to try to be as personal as I can about myself, but I'm going to, my goal is to drive the personal side of things for the pastors and ask questions that really dig into their psyche, their, their history, and, and what really drives them, because that's always been interesting to me. And I feel like there's always been that, that distance between the pulpit and the pew, that little three feet, and we go to, we're in a Baptist church, so the first two rows plus that 10 feet, because nobody ever sits in the front row, um, that is the barrier between us. Um, I think we're going to play a lot in that little in that space that nobody ever is in. Yeah, so like Matt mentioned, that's going to be our goal. We are going to, we're going to uncover these things. We're going to have these types of conversations. I, as the pastor of this podcast, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to be open. I'm going to be as transparent as I'm allowed to be and, and really be personal and connect. Uh, there'll be times where, you know, more of the, the passion of my heart will come out more in a, in a more organic way. Uh, so that's, that's really what we want to do. And then also we want to be creative with this. You know, the Bible talks about creativity. Creativity should be for God. Uh, we hope that we get listeners, but if we never get a single listener, we are still being creative. We're still doing things that, uh, that draws us closer to God and connect with each other. But we really hope that we can be an encouragement to you. So as we, as we get ready to, to end our time today, I really want to remind you that you are where you are for a reason. God has a plan for you. Uh, stay connected to him like Matt and I talked about. Don't pull away. If you're listless, anchor yourself to, to him and scripture because that's going to be the thing that, that lasts. That's the most sustainable way for us to, to have the life that, that really God wants for us. So I want you to be, a, want you to be encouraged by that. So as we end our time today, I want to remind you that I am Pastor Cedric. Uh, this is the How Did I Get Here podcast, where we are going to answer that question week in and week out. We are going to have some fun conversations. We're going to uncover and go behind the scenes of ministry itself. Uh, I want to encourage you to subscribe to our podcast. Um, wherever you get podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, you will be able to find us. So subscribe, hit the like button, give us a rating. Uh, if you have any questions, please submit those questions. If you have uh, topic suggestions or something you want to hear from us, or if you you know if a question for me specifically in reference to ministry or being a pastor, please do that. So give us comments, uh, submit questions, hit the like button, subscribe, give us a rating, and please come back. Uh, week in and week out as we sit and we talk about ministry, we talk about real life stuff, we have a real conversation and answer the question, how did I get here?